Hey there, welcome to Your Birth Partners. We are here to break down barriers and cultivate community as we discuss issues that impact pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. We welcome you no matter what your background is and are so excited to learn together. Today, we're talking about something that's been on a lot of hearts and minds throughout the birth community in the last um, few months. We are going to be discussing our maternal mortality and morbidity rates in our country. So you'll learn a little bit more about the facts, what we're seeing, what are the numbers, how do they compare to other countries around the world um, that are having better outcomes, and gain a greater understanding um, about some of the particular tasks that we need to take both as, you know, as consumers, as birth professionals, and as a society at large, as we're considering this issue. On to the show. So today we're talking about a pretty heavy topic, and it's not one that anyone really wants to um, really acknowledge, but we have to because our morta- maternal mortality rates are continuing to rise. Um, over the last several decades, they've gone up considerably, um, from 2000, um, to 2018, our rate here in the U S rose from, um, 12 deaths per 100,000 live births to 17.4 deaths per hundred thousand lives birth, which means that our personal rate, um, in that 18 years went up 45% in the United States. Similarly, um, at that same time frame, when we look from 2000 to 2017, which is when the most recent global maternity mortality rates are available, um, their ratio declined 38%. So while the world as a whole has gone down 38% in deaths, we as our country are rising. And there are several different elements that play into it, but I want to make sure that we're being clear that this is happening and that it's also happening with um, great inequality um, across our country. So we see that black women in our country die at a rate of 37.1 deaths per 100,000 live births. Um, and when we compare that to white non-Hispanic women, um, our, that rate for white women is only 14.7, which means that black women are dying at 2.5 times higher rate. And when we compare it to Hispanic women, whose rate is 11.8, that means that they're dying at um, 3.1 times more often than their counterparts. There are several different issues that play into that. Um, obviously, systematic racism and how that causes implicit bias throughout um, birth professionals when they're taking care um, of women of color is a huge component of it. Um, we are also seeing that across the board, you know, we're having more um, health con complications, that there's a lot more chronic conditions that play into um, pregnancy and then how people recover both during the initial um, labor and delivery period and in the significant postpartum period after that. And we're also seeing just a rise in intervention. Um, Our cesarean rate has risen right along with um, those rates. And so I want us to just have a chance you know, today to to just kind of dissect that a little bit and talk about that and kind of talk from our our personal perspective. practices, what we're, what we're seeing along those lines. I think the easiest part of this conversation is the part of a conversation that reflects women with more medical comorbidities getting pregnant in our country, women who are older getting pregnant, women who are obese, women who have hypertension and diabetes and other long-term medical issues, um, and assisted reproductive technology, getting women pregnant, older, and with more medical comorbidities. I would love it 
if that was the only part of this conversation and we mm-hmm. could argue away the numbers with that. And I know we can't. Um, and I think as you get into issues of race and implicit bias and, and such, my job as a provider right now is to probably sit back and listen a little bit because I don't know what the answer is. And I would like to be providing better care to my patients. In my practice with, um, with the issue being so real, <laughs> kind of right in our face. Um, first mm-hmm. of all, this was um, this was um, a reality for my family many, many years ago before I even knew this was a thing. Um, my brother's um, wife went into the hospital and they were very young, you know, um, early 20s or so. And she had a, you know, uncomplicated pregnancy. Um, you know, birth was going okay until it, you know, wasn't. But um, she kept saying that something wasn't right please look at me. Something's not right. And um, they felt very much that because of, you know, their age and their race, it didn't pay them, you know, any attention. Um, And then things weren't okay um, anymore. Um, And that was, um, you know, once it went through, you know, court case and everything, it was proven that it was negligence, you know, on the, you know, hospital and we did lose Mm -hmm. my, you know, nephew. Um, So I I know, you know, firsthand how it is to, you know, try to advocate for yourself, try to um, tell them something's not going on and they, they're just not, you know, listening. You know, in, in my practice, the way that I feel that I can help is to try to keep my clients out of that setting. How can we spend as less time as possible in that setting? And when you're thinking about, you know, complications of pregnancy, that brings me to how do we prevent complications of pregnancy so we don't have to go there before you know, we need to. Um, so focusing very heavily on the naturalness of pregnancy, you know, in birth, food is medicine. Um, how do we get back to those ancient, you know, ancestral ways that kept us very, um, you know, healthy. And um, from the beginning of my doula practice, you know, to now, um, shifting, shifting that, you know, the, the way I do it's working. You know, I, you know, I, I, I see that very, um, very heavily um, as far as the amount of days that, you know, we stay in the hospital as far as, you know, just laboring. Um, majority of the time, we're not showing up until mom is holding, holding baby's um, head as we're registering, um, giving them our, you know, information. Um, so for myself, it's the education, education, educating the client on, you know, how do I stay the healthiest um, during pregnancy, keeping these complications, you know, um, at bay, learning how to labor, you know, at home um, effectively so that we don't have to arrive until it's time for them to, you know, catch baby. It keeps things simplistic. We have the baby and we, you know, come home. Um, Before I started um, my midwifery training, I have to say that I did not know a lot of that important um, information about nutrition and, um, and how to, you know, effectively labor um, at home. Um, and, I, and I found that I spent much longer in the hospital setting, just days of laboring, you know, in the hospital. Um, so, you know, so for me, that's, that's, that's how, you know, I'm, I'm battling it from sacred butterfly births. And it's, it's definitely working. I think the two things I want to name on this topic are, you know, why is the U.S., outcomes so much worse, um, are capitalism and racism. You know, we, 
have a for-profit healthcare system that doesn't adequately provide health, preventative healthcare. So the people who are at greatest risk for complications don't have access to, you know, affordable, comprehensive, preventative prenatal care. Um, and there is not just the barriers of insurance, it's also the barriers of time, of childcare, of transportation, of getting off of work. Um, these systems aren't set up well for working parents and also the systems that are serving the poorest families don't have like, you know, like long appointments, like they're, people are not like believed and listened to. And so, you know, first and foremost, like healthcare is not a right in this country. And secondly, like we, we the outcomes um, of black maternal mortality are so clear that racism and healthcare providers not believing black women are, you know, leading to worse outcomes, you know, and I always, you know, want to name that, you know, I think there's a lot of ways that, you know, midwives are not the answer to all of this. There are a lot more complicated health issues that are also at play, you know, like women who are having heart failure at birth, but Jenny Joseph, who is a British midwife, a British trained midwife uh, who practices in Florida now, um, she's a CPM just like me, created an easy access clinic. And so, and the idea of trying to provide comprehensive midwifery care to anyone who's not accessing prenatal care and a one-stop shop, anyone gets to come, we'll figure out the insurance stuff later, regardless of the place of birth. There are some people who are choosing to birth in their birth center, but many are going to a local hospital, which they have a collaborative relationship with. And the goal of this practice was to end neonatal mortality, which is also way too high in the US and much higher for black women, much higher rates of uh, preterm birth. And it's working, you know, there's, she does these great webinars and has this JJ way kind of model of care. And the first like item on the JJ way model of care is like, we learn people's names, we learn their partner's names, we greet them by their names. And then there's like, you know, how they provide childbirth education, like passive education in the waiting room, how we like create avenues to like listen to people's needs and concerns, how we like get people set up with the healthcare that they need. And even if it's someone who's had like three C-sections and is going to have her fourth providing comprehensive midwifery care and then making sure she's set up to like have her fourth C-section. Then if she wants her tubes tied, she gets her tubes tied. So she's not having a fifth C-section and in like having a midwifery centered model of care, regardless of like the place of birth, like their outcomes are outstanding and they're having like black babies go to term and live. And I think that model of care also applies to like, you know, parents who have more complex health needs and that care that is slower, that is addressing psychosocial needs, addressing financial needs, helping, you know, subvert the barriers versus being like, you have to figure out this insurance thing until you can get care is going to like catch those people who could become very complicated pregnancies. Yeah. I love that they're doing that. And I think there's a huge, so, I mean, it's wonderful to be able to bring that model of care there. And I think it's really important to acknowledge, you know, one thing I heard um, Dr. Joya um, Kerr-Perry talk about in um, her testimony in front of the House um, panel for the Expecting More addressing America's maternal infant mortality and health crisis. They had a big um, panel in front of the House um, Subcommittee for Health, Employment, Labor, and Pensions. And one of the things that she, you know, kind of just identified blatantly is that there, you know, for a long time, we've had this idea that there are different outcomes uh, based on race. You know, that perhaps certain people, there's some sort of different genetic 
you know, component that plays into outcomes. And what we're seeing very clearly from all the evidence is that that is not the case. So it's not an issue of, you know, race during birth. It's an issue of racism, you know, during care um, and what we're seeing come through. And so we need to be really conscious of that as, you know, we're setting up care as we're trying to make sure that we're meeting people with their needs and also realizing that systemic racism and the way that that is played into our, the way our healthcare system is set up, that it absolutely, we see people of color have way less access to healthcare, that there are a lot more barriers to getting to, you know, appointments regularly and, you know, maintaining care um, that are beyond the individual's control. And so we need to be making systemic changes to help people to have safer pregnancies, to be able to have time for breaks and to be able to get care that they need. And that we need that to continue through the labor, you know, labor and delivery piece of it, that people are getting good access to care. And that also afterwards, that during that postpartum, that they have support, that they have leave to take from work so that they can actually be tending to themselves and their baby um, and catching some of these you know, issues that come up health wise in that initial postpartum period, um, you know, up to that full, you know, year, even after birth, but especially in those first six weeks that we look, you know, particularly at the, that high risk time that we need to be doing a better job from a social standpoint. Um, Dr. Neil Shaw talks about that, that, you know, as we are coming together to really support people, we are seeing that there are absolutely, there's chronic issues and there's, you know, systemic issues, but the biggest piece of it is that people are able to, they know how to get support. So that they have people in their community, they have, you know, family and loved ones who are checking on them and, you know, taking care of them. And that they also have bigger social, you know, components of healthcare that let them be well supported and have resources that they can actually turn to um, without, you know, having concern about how that's going to affect every other you know, part of their life that falls apart if all of a sudden they need to get, you know, more or higher level of care. Um, and in our country, we spend the most on, you know, maternity perinatal health care across the globe. Um, and our outcomes rank 55th. That's what we saw in the, you know, National Vital Statistics report that just came out. So we're spending so much money. And when we even compare ourselves to other similarly wealthy countries, we rank 10th out of 10. So we spend the most money and we're not getting any of the return on that investment that we should be. Um, and so like you said, there's definitely, we need to, from a much bigger scale, be really looking at ways that we can change our healthcare system to better support and to make sure that those healthcare dollars that we're investing actually have, you know, response in the community and we're not just pushing money away. It's sometimes really overwhelming to me how many patients I need to see to cover my malpractice insurance as an obstetrician who does C-sections. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not going to pretend to understand the business of medicine to the extent that I, I should, but I can tell you the system from that standpoint is, is very broken um, because I don't always have the time that I would like with patients. I think a lot about effective communication. Um, somebody that's a mentor to me who's actually now Dean of the medical school where I did residency training. I remember on a really busy service as, as a, chief resident, we would round on patients and she would always make a point of like bringing a chair in the room and making sure that as we counseled patients, we sat and made eye contact and really, you know, tried to affect good communication. Um, I feel like it's a theme of so many of the conversations we've had in this group already. It's just, if we could be better at communicating and educating, I, I think the respect piece comes next and comes naturally. Yeah, and absolutely. I mean, I think what we need is we need 
you know, we need buy-in from the stakeholders, from all of us who are out there providing, you know, direct care, you know, to people during this. We need, we need to understand, I think, where, you know, where we're struggling. And that's why I wanted to, you know, talk about some of these facts, because it is, it's hard to hear. And not all of us necessarily like to think in numbers and kind of get in that headspace. But we need to realize what a pervasive issue that is. Um, and that this is not, it's not going away on its own. And so we really need to take strong and clear action. Um, like many other countries, you know, around the world are doing as well. This is not just our issue. Um, but we are, you know, the, the leading countries, um, Belarus, and I think their, you know, their maternal mortality rate is two um, for every 100,000, you know, live births compared to our, you know, 17.4. Um, Greece and, you know, Finland, similarly, it's three for every 100,000 compared to our 17.4. So, you know, there are models, you know, around the world that we can look to, to understand different ways to deliver healthcare and different ways to make sure that we're really catching, you know, the issues that, that come to our clients, whether those are, you know, chronic conditions that need to be managed or systemic issues, you know, that we need to look at. Um, and that respect piece of it is key. And it, I think it's probably going to be a huge part of every conversation we have in this group, because that's where we really are seeing that we have, you know, our system falls apart a little bit because like you said, because so many of our birth professionals are really overtaxed um, because of the way that um, I think because of the way we pay for healthcare, you know, here in our country and the onus that there is on providers with malpractice insurance um, and all of that, we see ratios are set up in terms of how many, um, you know, patients people are expected to see and care for at any given time. And that that doesn't always allow us to provide optimal care and to really see people for as long as we need to, to know everything, you know, that we need to know about them to, to help them live through birth. We really don't have a system that facilitates easy access to healthcare. And I think the way that our healthcare system is structured, it's actually pushing providers out of inner city, um, and other sort of challenging practice environments. I think that we're seeing sort of a void and vacuum of care in the areas in this country that actually need providers the most. Um, yeah. yeah, and also I'll mention that like, or there's only like 13 states that like cover Medicaid, Medicaid covers home births. And so there's also like a lack of options because, you know, like this like slower model of care that like can be preventative is like also not accessible to the people who are most at risk. But in saying that, I also want to mention the like fact that the black maternal mortality statistics are across the board, regardless of income. Like it's definitely like we can focus definitely on the people who like have the least amount of access to resources, but you know, black women with PhDs are also having like outcomes that are twice as worse as white women. Yeah, absolutely. It's so important to note that because they have, when we, when we account for every potential other factor with education and socioeconomic status, all of that, these rates are still significantly higher for black women. Um, and then I, you know, I do think it's important to highlight, obviously like there is, you know, there is positive work being done. Um, ACOG's Alliance for Innovation on Maternal Health, they've developed a lot of these bundles of care that are being pushed out to different hospitals for kind of best practices for how to manage some of the both chronic medical conditions um, and, you know, labor and delivery specific complications that can come up. Um, they have ones for, you know, obstetric hemorrhage and, you know, postpartum kind of care basics. They have those that cover for um, people who are delivering with opioid use disorder, safe reduction of primary cesarean birth. And so I think so far, all of the research that goes that is coming out of those, we are definitely seeing impact. We are seeing improvements in care on those, um, but we need to see, 
more use, you know, of the resources that we already have that are working um, at a broader level. And like you said, again, that goes into that buy-in for people at the bedside not being resistant to this. Because um, I, I know I can speak to that. It is hard as, you know, as a nurse, we're constantly, there's new policies are coming out and things are shifting and you're just trying to keep up and make sure that you're providing, you know, good care. And so I think we have to make sure when we're educating and telling, uh, you know, birth professionals about these issues and what we're seeing come out of research, we need to make sure that they're understanding why we're doing it, why we're changing. Um, and that it's not just, it's not arbitrary. <laughs> we're not changing things just to change things. We're changing things because, you know, there's these real issues that are happening that need, you know, that need differences to be made. And we see that, you know, there's lots of organizations, the March of Dimes, obviously they, you know, they do a ton of this. Um, Dr. Joy Krupier, who I talked about earlier, her National Birth Equity Collaborative um, is focused on, you know, reducing um, the disparity we see for, you know, especially for black people during perinatal, you know, healthcare. And so I think we need to make sure that we're tuning into those resources and these people who are really doing this good hard work and that we're getting, you know, that awareness out there. All right. Well, thank you all so much for having this tough conversation um, today. And I, I know we're certainly going to be exploring a lot of these themes, um, you know, further as we get into what we all can do um, as birth workers and as consumers to try to, you know, make progress on this issue. Thanks for tuning in. We love to talk birth and would love to talk about it with you. Please join the conversation by finding us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We're your birth partners on all platforms. We'll be sharing statistics from today's episode on our show notes blog, yourbirthpartners.org. And we really would love for you to share your personal experiences. We know this is a really heavy topic and we want to hear what's happening in your community, whether that's personal or professional experiences that you've had. We'll be sharing on the show notes blog some of our information about what other countries are doing and some of the steps that people are taking in the work they're doing here in our country to combat this issue. As we work to get this information out as far as it can go, we really appreciate you sharing this with friends or colleagues. And if you feel called donating to our nonprofit, thanks for your support. Till next time. <laughs>